0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: It's the True Faith Podcast. I'm Alex Hurst, and we're here for you today for your full podcast for um, basically a celebration of Rafa Benitez in two years at Newcastle United. It has absolutely flown by since uh, that Friday, when he came in, uh, before the last game on the Monday night, and it was announced after the defeat, disgraceful defeat, the Bournemouth, uh, five days earlier, six days earlier, whatever it was, that Rafa Benitez was going to be announced, Newcastle United manager, and it's been quite a journey, so we thought we'd talk about it, and talk about what's been good, what's been bad, what's changed for a lot of fans, and also what we think might happen in the future, we're going to talk through some old games, some highs, lots of highs, really, and um, what in particular Rafa Benitez means to us, and what he's changed at Newcastle United for, for not just the fans, but also the football club as a whole. With me today, I have Simon Carmel and Ben Wade uh, sat in the room. You, hopefully, you'll be able to hear us quite clearly because we're using some brand new audio equipment, which we've used from the Patreon subscription money. So thank you very much to everybody who has subscribed on Patreon, getting a lot of positive feedback about the extra shows and we'll put the money straight back into things like this Um further improvements to come. So, Sai Ben, and on the line from London, there were different parts of London we'll have Norman Riley and uh, welcome to Richie Smith. So lads, uh, you know, we'll take it all away. So you're on my immediate left. Um, just talk to talk, talk the listeners for a sec about what Rafa Benitez means to you as Newcastle United manager. <laughs> it's,
2: it's, it's, it's a big question. It's a big question because I think Rafa Benitez came at a time when, when my love of Newcastle United was being really, really tested. Uh, there was John Carver, the first time I've cancelled my direct debit. Followed by Steve McClaren, where you know we all kind of got behind him, but that didn't last very long at all, and it was kind of it was it was getting really close to like lads, we might have to find something else to do on a Saturday. So Rafa Benitez has has totally changed my my kind of perception of Newcastle United and, and rejuvenated it, and I, I presume it's the same for loads of people. We know Norman's uh, back back coming to nearly every game, and that's it's just he's. he's Brought about a love of the football club I thought was was gone forever. To be honest, because since since the days of Keegan and, and Robson, you just never thought you'd see the day again where you go to St James's Park, and and you're just buzzing for every minute of the game. Um, everything's everything's ten times amplified with Rafa. So, even even la- the other week winning three nil to Southampton to finish to to put us thirteenth in the league. In seasons gone by, you'd be thinking, great, that's that's brilliant. We're thirteenth, we're nowhere. But it means so much under Rafa because it's. Like it just, It's just what it represents and it's kind of one step towards what we could be, whereas a, a th- you know a 3-0 win under, under Pardew, which, which did happen under, under McLaren, even a John Carver win, it was just like, oh, here we go, that's him off the hook for another two weeks, but you never really thought it was going somewhere, whereas if we stay up the season with, with Rafa, every result counts and it's, it's leading to something and we've just, that hope and belief is there, but it hasn't been for a long time.
1: I'll go to Ben next and I totally agree. Uh, just as he has a... Oh, you are going to cough there, Ben. No. Um, <laughs> but yeah, well said, Si. And, and Ben, That that's going on about how you know 13th in the league and 3-0 wins against a very poor Southampton side aren't necessarily something to be celebrated, maybe from the outside looking in. But when you look at the context of how the team has been undermined by the ownership, how uh, the fact that the playing squad's probably not the best that we've ever seen even the past five or six years, to be honest with you. What do you think it is about Rafa Benitez that seems to excite Newcastle fans so much
3: he's credible for, for one thing he's actually achieved things in his career um and and, and so therefore I mean the, the jokes that were John Carver and, and McLaren I mean McLaren had a, a reputation for probably for his, his best work abroad um, which full enough is obviously Rafa as well has that but um, the, the fact of the matter is, is is McLaren other than his time at Man U he's done very little really I mean he, his brief spell years and years ago with with Borough um, he still had a bit of credibility from that but that was all completely eroded um, because of his time at England I think and, and obviously what he did with that job um, Rafa obviously won won a Champions League with Liverpool who a perennial sort of runners up essentially in, in everything um, sort of since the the Premier League age so um, I, I think it's just that that the fact that you, you know he's a winner, um, and and he's actually a, a, a football genius. If sort of coin the phrase in terms of he he knows um, what he wants out of football and, and he knows how to how to get it and, and how to set up the the team and things like that. So he, he's able to um, hide flaws within players and, and teams and with, with with his systems and things like that. And the the biggest thing I think from the, that you can see with the players is that he's and, and it's something that. Um, a lot of people will be aware of it. he's he's an educator. He wants to um, educate the, the the lads on on and, and to improve them and and sort of see them growing that the football um, sort of tacticalness, I guess, and, and awareness and things like that. So I mean, so you you see some of the players these days. Um, I mean, Paul, Paul Dummett's probably the the one that's very popular at the minute to be saying sort of what a, a difference um, sort of improvement we're seeing in him, and that, I think that's all down to Rafa. Explaining exactly what he wants from him and, and giving him that clarity and 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 improving his um his sort of outlook and and it's as I say it's it's to hide sort of weaknesses and but also sort of concentrate on your strength and things like that.
1: So, yeah, Ben, you make a lot of good points, and I'm sure we're going to get into those as the uh, as the show continues. Um, you know, Norman, why, why don't you tell us a little bit about how your relationship has improved dramatically with Newcastle United since uh, the return of Rafa Benitez to the club?
4: Like, someone that was dormant for a long time and something like, like dormant to the point of like completely disintegrating um, obviously you know you've, you've alluded to the lads have alluded to Carver and um, McLaren and, and they went the, the Carver debacle and then the announcement of McLaren it was just that was almost it it was a case of we're, we're done I mean McLaren was a completely busted flush when he was appointed um, years and years of Ashley being a problem I was I was just I was done I was, I wouldn't come back up for games um, I might watch the occasional one um, or, you know, at the pub, um, and usually that would just be if I was in the pub. I wouldn't, I kind of wouldn't work my me, me day around Newcastle match. Um, in the moment that Rafa arrived, just everything changed, obviously, um, because I've mentioned this a few times. He, he, for me, is a coach that I've followed for years and one that I like, kind of almost like, dreamt of being in charge of Newcastle. And, um, and as cliche as it sounds, when he was announced, it was quite literally a dream come true for me and, um, and you know as you know the last, especially the last year I've, um, I've just start, I've started coming up for all the matches at home I've been going to a lot of way matches got involved with True Faith um, and it's all down it's all down to the impact that Rafa Benitez I mean, has had on, on the club but on, on me as a fan it's been, it's been huge and um, just a genuine, genuine pleasure to know that someone that good and that who cares that much is in charge of a club that we
5: all obviously love
1: Well said uh, Richie same question for you
5: a uh, bit of a different take um, for me. It's hope, but also fear as well. Um, he's as a as a manager, he's transformed the club. He's picked the club up from it's arse, let's be honest. Uh, and you know, he's you're just looking into some of his um, the actual statistics. He's now. On a pause, far as win rate with Bobby Robson, which kind of says a lot about what he's achieved in um, in, in a, you know a relatively short space of time, uh, especially a time when Newcastle, as we've all kind of alluded to, were was a uh, a, a failing club on so many levels, uh, a losing club, and and the fact that he's you know his his record albeit over a shorter space of time. Is now on a, a similar level to that of um, Bobby Robson. Um, says a lot. the The fear element is that you know, uh, window by window, see, uh, season by season, uh, Newcastle and might actually increasingly always look like they're about to shoot themselves in the foot again, and um, always a level of uncertainty about how how much Rafa's going to put up with it. Um, takeovers being, coming through, then, you know, kind of almost being called off, and a lot of, uh, a lot a lot of, like, that, that, that conversation's very cold now, you know, how does that impact the, the future, and it almost doesn't bear thinking about what Newcastle would be if we lose Rafa, so, um, for me, yeah, there's, re- you know, renewed hope in a very bright future ahead, but also uh, this constant aspect that if Rafa does go, which is always a, a, a is, all, is always a, a possibility, uh, it's it doesn't really bear thinking about what you know where where we could end up or, or how many steps backwards we might we, we we could quite easily take.
2: Yeah, I I, I agree. Not um, Richie, um, exactly what I said before. Like it's everything's ten times exaggerated with Rafa. When we had McLaren and just after that um, that Bournemouth game that Dogger just mentioned. You kind of thought, if we get relegated here, am I really that bothered? But as soon as Rafa Benitez is in charge of Newcastle United, relegation's terrifying. The thought of losing them's terrifying. The thought of the future we could have versus the future that Mike Ashley might give we is terrifying. When you when you know you've, you're so close to having something really special, whereas before Rafa Benitez came, you just didn't, you couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. You couldn't see anything positive to come from Mike Ashley's reign. But with Rafa there, it's so much. More, there's so much more riding on every game and. I think, as I said before, beating Southampton at home means so much more because, because we've got them I and because of that fear of if we don't win these games and if we do get relegated and lose them, it's, it's that what could have been, which wasn't there before.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
5: yeah absolutely. And I just think um, for, there's a lot of people, a lot of fans, probably everyone on this podcast possibly saying things might, not, might never get better than having Rafa Benitez in charge of the football club. You know, there's, there's, you know, he, he's only, been, he has, even if he was to stay at Newcastle for some time, there's only going to be a, there's, there's a window of, of, of opportunity in Newcastle right now of, let's say the next three or four years, maybe, maybe beyond that, where there's a, a genuine opportunity of winning something. Um, these opportunities aren't going to come along very often. Uh, it, it is kind of once in a, a fan's lifetime in many respects, having this kind of a, a bloke in charge of, 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 of your club. And, um, which just, as you say, just amplifies the, the fear of not having him, of not taking advantage of that opportunity, and um, it just shows how huge he is,
1: uh, and um, how huge he will continue to be. Yeah, well said. We're sat here now on, what, the 18th of March 2018. I think we all know everyone sat here, and hopefully everyone listening will agree, that if we were sat here in two years' time with Rafa Benitez still in charge of the club, particularly with a takeover... Haven't happened. But even without the fact that he might be here, or sign another contract under this regime means that there is a, a serious chance of, as, as Rich alludes to, competing at the right end of the table finally, or winning some silverware, um, <clears throat> or at least seriously competing for silver, silverware because it's been so long since we've uh, since we've you know even even had a go. To be honest with you, um, so that that's the exciting thing about the future. But there's also that fear, and you also just have to realise how unbelievably lucky. Mike Ashley, Lee Chong, whoever you want to say are to have Rafa Benitez. If we look at the decisions they've made consistently since taking over the football club, even if you go back to 2009, which a few fans last year before won the league in, in let's be honest, hilarious circumstances last season the league win. Some fans tried to use the 0910 9 10 team as a stick to beat that side and to beat Rafa with, even though football has changed, finances have changed, the second tier has changed, all of that kind of stuff which we went into last season. However, that that season was started without a manager. They, did, they were so disorganized, so without direction or hope. Trying to sell the club again in two thousand and nine, that they just gave it to one of the coaches and hoped it would be all right. And it was better than all right. It, Chris did a great job and is a good manager, as we're seeing now. But that's that's the kind of thing you fear. Um, and I know some journalists have kind of said that to us as well. That if they feel that the club are now, you know, committed to the good, strong manager world-class manager roach. why the fuck weren't they committed to that before? <laughs> why did they appoint Steve McLaren? Why was John Carver, remember, John Carver, given, <laughs> you know, control of a Premier League football club when everyone watching and everyone listening to this and us at the time, we knew what was coming and it's that's the fear. No one wants to go back to that. But we want to be positive and I think looking through the tweets and lots of people did send tweets into us, um, it's, it's more than just the, um, more than just the, the kind of the football side of things as well. This is one of the things with Raphael Johnson says, he's engaged with the community, clearly getting what the club means to the city. United the fan base from day one, and that, that's a key word, United. Uh, the club's um, PR and marketing department have also followed that one in. Um, but, you know, dignity. These, these are these are words that describe a brilliant man, not just a brilliant manager. Faith in the team and the manager. When he speaks, you can believe him. I think that's a good thing. Trust and appreciation. They're such basic things are the kind of things which most football fans probably don't have to worry about like, you know, when I don't know, pick a manager. Of, I don't know. When Claude Puel speaks at Leicester, the fans probably believe that he's telling the truth, not trying to keep his owner happy or not trying to placate a difficult person above him. Um and and that's a massive thing. I mean Ben let's go back to the start of his reign, relegation on his watch. Um he, was, he took a team over that was twenty no, nineteenth in the league. We finished eighteenth. Um do you do you think you know looking back then was there any blame to be attached with him or was it simply you know the impossible job keeping that shower up
3: the the damage had been done hadn't it i mean give a bloke ten ten games i mean I don't I, I, we had hope um we had a lot of hope going going into sort of the Leicester game I mean I remember we we all went down for that game and we were in great spirits because we, we thought oh yes this we We've got a credible manager now. We've got someone that's, that that, as you say, we're in trust that's, that's going to get get something out of the players that we've got. Because I mean, we didn't didn't have a terrible side at the time, and we had some good players that were just not being used properly. Um, and yes, the performances improved, and, and and we we only just went down. I mean, let's be honest. With um, other teams, probably didn't didn't do us any um, any hands. I mean, the Everton um, Sunderland game obviously springs to mind when you just that. <laughs> sort of performance by Everton that night I mean obviously it ended up with Martinez losing his job but that was just a team that did not care so a little bit out of our hands but it came down to that, that Villa game really I mean I think you we obviously the podcast all the lads were there um, for that game and, and the chances were missed I mean we dominated that Villa team we should have we could have won three or four it was just a case of we just had to get that first one and and we will probably win that game comfortably and I think that would have changed the whole outlet but at the same time I think it it he, he 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 did his best and i think he got the maximum out of that team that he could do and i don't think any sort of blame should be put at his um at his feet it, it, he did he did the best that he could to try and get out of that that situation and unfortunately we didn't manage it what did happen after that though i think that similarly happened in 09 10 um was that sort of cathartic reaction where we were able to Sort of basically re- start start the rebuild and get rid of the players that weren't interested in being here and, and get players that actually want to play for Newcastle United and that's the biggest thing I think that's come out of this with a manager like Rafa at the helm who's given us some direction he's got a clear objective in his mind of what he wants to achieve with a club and, and he's obviously you can see that the players know what he wants and, and that clarity and that sort of thought process that's it's, um, in the team now, I think you can see is is why we're 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 doing so well and and, and why things
1: are looking up. Yeah, I mean, Richie, if I come to you, um, it's it's all yeah. These these things are all great, and we've talked about them a lot on the podcast, like dignity, respect, hope, all this kind of stuff. But the, there are actual key football things that a guy like Rafa Benitez, in terms of his success, have have made one of the biggest kind of. Off the pitch things he's changed at the football club in in a in a football sense that have impressed you most, Richie? And you think are the most important?
5: Um, two that spring to mind for me. Um, first one injuries. Uh, I know Alex, you you were quite passionate about this as well. Um, Newcastle for for years and years before Rafa Tabova, had this just perennial injury problem, where for large part of the season. We, we just have, you know, if, when you look at the, uh, the um, physio room kind of injury league table, Newcastle would always, always be at the top of that, top of that table. Um, consistently have players, key players out injured for, and, and not just um, picking up, you know, little one week knocks, but but out for four, five, six weeks at a time. <clears throat> and that, that massively, massively helped, massively hurt us. And, um, Rafa Benitez has completely and utterly transformed that aspect of our club. We we don't we just don't get like, you know, I, I mean we do get injuries obviously, but to the to the level that we that we had it's it's it's, it's chalk and cheese. You know we we've we've consistently got a um, more or less a um, a fit squad, um, bearing maybe one or. Uh, one player might be out. That, that would be um, in the start eleven for a short period of time. But they get players back quicker. It's it's much uh, it's much better managed as well as far as when they how they bring players back. Um, I think that's been a huge huge contributing factor to how well we've done under Rafa Benitez. That he's, he's, we've, we've got rid of this ridiculous um, old age injury uh, problem that we used to have to the point that now it's you know you, you it's it's rarely a, rarely a, a match that year. Kind of wondering, like, when's this player going to be back fit? Because they they are. They, it's quite quite often as the case. They're they are, they're actually, you know, fit and either playing or on the bench. Um, the second one is defensively. I mean, for as long as I've I've lived in Newcastle, have always been pretty shit at defending. Um, we've never really had like a defence that you could be proud of. Um, that's all changed under under Benitez And when you consider the actual profile of the players that we've got on defence. Shows you again how remarkable a job he has done of, of of actually making you know developing these players, the likes of Lascelles, the likes of Paul Dummett, they've become better defenders, better footballers under Rafa Benitez. To the point that you know we we are we are proud as fans of having of our defence. It's very rare that we actually uh, criticise the defence, or we 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 lose points because of uh, because of our uh, defensive frailties. Um, I, mean, I think that's massive. For the first time in my life, I can confidently say that I'm I'm, I'm actually quite proud of of, of Newcastle having a, a decent defence.
1: Yeah, well said. And I think the improvement of look at the likes of Paul Dummett and Jamal Lascelles, but even someone like DeAndre Yedlin, um, the, their improvement defensively is just off the scale. And we've kind of we've said it before, and it's been well publicised in the media that Rafa Benitez gets players, and then you can in most cases, expect those players to considerably improve at the time at the club where that possibly wasn't the case from the past where they got players who were only ever going to stay at the same level or actually quite often get worse. Um, And and that's got to be... That's not just Rafa, that's the coaching staff as well, but you're absolutely spot on about, about the injuries too. I mean, the difference now, we still do get some injuries, but the difference now is we tend to see them happen on the pitch under McLaren, under Pardew and Carver. A lot of the injuries were picked up in training, so that suggests that things have been changed massively in that respect. And a lot of the injuries were just kind of missed your injuries. Like Richie says, like players would just go missing for months and months on end. There was no communication. Now, Rafa and press conferences or even straight after games are saying, right, John Joe, he's had a scan. We we'll hope it's okay. It could be six weeks. six months. It's that kind of clarity in that. I mean, it doesn't really make any sense that <laughs> before there wasn't any clarity, before they tried to keep things under wraps. I mean, that kind of suspicion of the fan base and the media is almost almost disappeared from from the people running the club or certainly at the, 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 the day-to-day level um, I presume Ashley and, and those kind of people are still very suspicious of the people that, or the other fan base but um, sorry, si, if you could pick some players you know that Rafa's had in his time here who who have you been most impressed by uh, in terms of their improvement or what he's done with
2: well it has to start with Moussa Sissoko of course <laughs> whose 10 games under Rafa in that relegation season were, were a revelation. Obviously, we we never doubted the lad, but the the improvement from him when he just seemed to be put in the position he needed to be played in and, and just like he, he he very nearly kept us up single-handedly because we had very little quality left in the side at the time and he and he was class. Um, you obviously look at Paul Dummett, who we'd all completely written off in the relegation season as, you know, why we're still playing without a left-back. Now... now I couldn't think of anyone else who I'd like to see playing left back at the minute. For um, you've got M- Mo Well, you know. He, last season he he wasn't even a standout player in the championship. He did a good job, but his his turnaround this season has been incredible. Lascelles, I mean, it's it's hard to think of a player who hasn't improved in this squad we've got now. There's no one who's who's um, who's gone backwards under under Rafa. Whereas for years and years we watched class players just get worse and worse under under Pardew, Carver. Um, you know, you can go back as far as Sooner, Saladice. They don't improve players. Like all the players for Newcastle just got worse and worse. But under Rafa, like everyone on the team is just improving and they're learning new things and they're adding more to the game and it's just it's just fantastic watching players who we may not think are brilliant, but they're trying their hardest and they're, they're getting better every week.
1: Yeah, well said. Um Dior as well. As you know, definitely worth yeah, worth a mention. Um but you know in the fact that you know even talk about Diame, which of course I'm going to. Um, <laughs> he was brought in as a number ten. He was brought in and it, and it didn't really work. I mean, he put he had some excellent games last season, also some different ones, and it definitely didn't work this season. I mean, um, Perez has clearly identified himself as the number one, number ten. Well, that's a silly way of saying You're it. Sure. <laughs> yeah, Perez and goal wouldn't work. Um, but the fact that. You could kind of see towards the back end of last season, Rafa started moving more back into centre midfield. I think Chef went away, Ben, when me and you were there. Diarmé and Shelby played together and just weren't very good. Um, And and to come from that to what we see at the minute, again, is just absolute testament to the man we've got in charge of the club. You know, there's so many comments come in on Twitter saying, you know, Bedford, Mark. my only comment is I'm simply thankful that we have Rafa as our manager. I pinch myself every time I see a game and he's there on the touchline and... It's still very much the case. You know, Chris, what's his structure, professionalism and hope? There's that word hope again. Um, Johnny Cross says, might sound stupid, but as a mag living here in Spain, it feels like he's given us some relevance again. My Spanish in-laws always ask how he's doing because of the man himself. Stephen Ord, if nothing else, making it credible to say you back your manager and the lads and you know they want the best for the team in the city and the fans, not the balance sheet. That's a special thing. Totally agree. So, Norman, I'll, I'll, I'll come to you and you start coming back to the match probably, what, back end of last season? Um, That's right. And, and and you've said you know consistently on the podcast that you have an affinity towards this side that maybe that like you've never had before. Um, why why do you think that is? Do you think Rafa Rafa's selection of players in terms of players that he brings into the club is more than just to do with ability? In terms of do you think he looks at the type of I don't know person as much as the player, which allows allows us as fans to have this affinity with them.
4: One hundred percent. He's obviously had comparatively, uh, with with other Premier Premier League clubs, um, very little money to spend. And one of the things that I, I really like about him is just the, the absolute trust that you have that he's going to, whatever he's got, however, however little it may be, however much it may be, he's going to. Every signing he makes is going to be vetted, and the personality is going to be um, assessed as to whether or not they'll, they'll fit into the squad. And, and like you see, um, he. Could be offered, you know. He could, he could be scouting two or three players who ex- excellent footballers. But if that if that personality's not right, then I, I doubt not you would sign them because um, I, there's a, a clear um, aim to get a squad of people together who genuinely like each other. I mean, just little things. The I think there was a photo put up on um, on Twitter the other the other day of the, all them in this little kind of basement restaurant in Spain, and it just looked like it just kind of looked like an enjoyable an enjoyable scene. And I think. That that togetherness that he's that he's ensured through being so being so careful and through just managing personality so well has has helped massively this season because we all know that in terms of raw ability the squad you know it is towards the low end of the table. A lot of the lads are, are the ones who came up uh, from the championship with, with the club and what he's got out of them is he's got these kind of superhuman performances from people who who genuinely want to be there, and that's that's what he's engendered. he's, he's he's created that through his backroom stuff and he's just, um, he's just, yeah, he's just given us a, a team and a squad that I um, i absolutely love and I feel I feel the kind of, yeah, like an, an affinity with that I've, I, I can't recall having and it's, it's just, it's a real, a real joy to watch even, even the little things like, you know, we don't play this kind of free-flowing going home football. Rafa's like a very cerebral manager who plays incredibly tactically and all of it's a joy, um, even seeing some of our kind of most, you know, defensive performances where we have very little possession, but we're still so effective. I, I really enjoy it. And um, I, the uh, the players that he gets even even like the the players that he brings in, maybe they're not his first choice, his second choice, even his third choice, but you still know that even if the players his fourth choice, the homework's already been done. I can imagine. I can imagine that he says like, right, I need to sign. Um, I need to sign a centre forward this summer. He's probably got a list of like fifteen forwards. You know. So even like the, the 10th or 11th choice would be someone who's been vetted properly. And, and it's just that kind of meticulous preparation and care that I absolutely love.
5: I um, really, really love the, really love the squad and I've got no doubt that we're going to stay up and be better for it. I think, um, Norman, just to jump in there, uh, just what you were saying about, on the face of it, the football isn't, you know, like the most glamorous to watch by any means, but it depends on how you look at it. Um, you know, like Southampton last week, um you know we'll have to like thirty or thirty percent of the possession at home. But, you know, the the, the fact is were the the goals that were scored, you know, kind of massively stood out and yeah, the, the, the defensive um solidarity that, that you talked about, just that kind of being able to just close Southampton down to just nothingness um was was, was actually brilliant to watch.
1: Yeah.
5: Um I'm sure like you'll get you know some fans who might not necessarily kind of appreciate that, that, that side of it, of you know, being a more cautious side of play, being more difficult to beat, but this is why Newcastle for so many years weren't that great, because we were easy to beat, because we weren't good defensively. <laughs> so he's, uh, yeah, to- I'm totally on board with what you're saying there, is that, that totally depends on what, what way you look at it, but if you can start to appreciate his tactics and how he gets to the absolute most out of every single one of those players, as limited as some of them might be, um, because he knows that's what that's what it takes to actually start to get points and win games. Then, and so be
3: it. I think as well. Just to come back to sort of what Norm was talking about about the effort that Raffet puts in to to sort of maximise everything. I mean, it, we we know from from sort of what the, the great man has said himself. He he puts so much. He's, he's a football addict. He puts so much time and effort and thought into everything he does. And and you're right to say there, um, Norm, that he's meticulous he he probably has a list of like he, he probably has a database of like every player <laughs> available in the world like even ten year olds he's probably like scouting like for in for like ten years time or whatever like he, he he just goes into so much effort to um to to scout players and obviously he's he's, he's really keen to um sort of get get as much value as he can he, as he can out of out of every opportunity but also it's just the fact that he he puts so much effort and he's got so much passion for the game. It reflects on the club and, and the fan base and everything. I mean, when when we were younger, it was like you you basically you sleep, breathe Newcastle United. Everything was was all about the football and and it's 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 nice to have a manager like that again that that you trust is like us. He's one of us. Um, I mean, the the likes of McLaren, you, you'd never really had that affinity with him to think like, oh yeah, he's like one of us. He, he, he was a stranger. The same. I mean, Carver, okay, he's he's, he's a Geordie, but. Again, you you never really felt like he was giving these everything and putting everything in, and and was sac- making sacrifices for the club. You you, you get the, the impression that Rafa. I mean, what what was it about the, the little anecdote he told us about where he he was at home with his wife and and he was making little um, formations with the the salt and pepper and stuff, and just and and his wife was like, go on, get your away, go and do do your football. You're not there. Um, you just you just don't get the the sort of feeling that any anybody else that's been in the club since Sir Bobby really um would, would have put in that much time and, and have that much care and sort of a passion for the for the club and it's it's just great to have somebody like that back.
1: Absolutely. Well said, lads. Um you know, Liam Bushby and David Farrell Banks have both made really good points that um he has put well Liam Bushby says he's single handedly put an end to the mass hysteria hitting NUFC every single season. Spurs in the final day at home was possibly the greatest moment in NUFC's recent history because it was a completely united club when he decided to show, to stay, he showed who he is and what NUFC could be, and that's really well said. And then David um, made a really good point and said that if you look at the relegation rivals, managers that we've got, you know, look look through them and kind of you're, all, you're immediately aware of, you know, how lucky we are. You know, West Brom have got Pardew, we have got Lambert. <laughs> Southampton have no one, or Mark Hughes now.
3: They've all had two managers as well this yeah. season. <laughs> and and, and w- where the do antithesis toys.
1: of know that, where the reasonably stable club in terms of a football perspective, still not stable off the pitch, but it's like compare nice compare and contrast is now we have gone to Spain and we're currently playing as we're recording Royal Antwerp in a three halved. Well, one, I don't know, three-thirds, <laughs> 45 <laughs> minutes each. I don't know what the final score was. It was 1-0 one, Newcastle after 90 minutes. But um, the lads have gone. You know, the journalists are there, very open. You know, a lot of positivity, like uh, Norman alluded to, you know, social stuff going on between the players. No alcohol, though. Compare that to when Steve McLaren took his side away. Fabrizio Colaccini never never kicked the ball again for Newcastle. And, it's, and it was just a farce. And then we came back and we lost two games on the bounce, and then McLaren was sacked. So the whole, the whole club is just in such a different place because of him and, and what he's done, and, and as Ben alludes to quite correctly, is work off the pitch in and, and his work rate and making sure that these lads that we have in this football club has the best possible chance of success is different because before you had managers who would make excuses for Mike Ashley's lack of investment or the club's lack of, or not even investment, but the club's lack of ability to invest in itself um, because they needed to keep him happy. All, all Rafa Benitez wants to do is keep the fans happy and keep the club as high as, as he possibly can up the table, and I think that's definitely going to happen the majority of time that he um, that he remains here. But there have been there have been some downs as well. I think it's an important point to say that Rafa Benitez has been presented with problems in a football sense that he's had to overcome. You look at the start of last season. Two really unexpected defeats against Fulham and Huddersfield who again ended up being two of the best teams in the division, but it didn't feel like that at the time and even even so, you, you wouldn't expect to take zero points out of those games. Relegation for a start. The you know, the first what did he his first four or five games we didn't win a game. Um, it would have been easy to, you know, do a bit of a Paul Lambert. I think Paul Lambert's taken seven points from his eight games at Stoke, which is, you know Norman will be delight, delighted with that. um he killed it. But um yeah, it, it, it's easy to throw in the towel, and I think you look at Stoke now. And I think Stoke have thrown in the towel a little bit. Players getting sent off. In fact, fuck Stoke. Look at Sunland. <laughs> Let's talk about them. Let's talk about Rafa beneath us. And you know, they it's kind of this like reverse psychology. They knew, even though we'd gone down when he stayed with us, the reason they took the piss out of Rafa so much is because they knew. Whether they wanted to admit it to themselves or not, they knew that Nicosia United will be back bigger and stronger, and they would possibly go in the other direction. You look at Chris Coleman yeah. now on Sullivan, six red cards since Coleman's come in. Six. It's a fucking disgrace. Should be sacked for that. What is what is uh,
5: what is managerial record? Because you know Moyes was oh, sh- Mo, Moyes Moyes was awful for them. Apparently, um, Grayson had to go. Like, what's what's Coleman's record standing up like?
1: I think it's as bad as Grayson's, but the. The thing which cracks me up about the Magnums is, in this loving of Coleman, is that he has nothing in his domestic career to back up any kind of loyalty. He's had a really average managerial record. Um, he did a decent job with Wales, but again, didn't didn't get him, what third, third in a poor group um, this time. But a lot of Sunland fans were saying that Grayson was poor because the squad was capable of so much more. And now they're all saying that Coleman's been dealt with an impossible hand. Well, they can't both be true. But anyway... If you look at that club and you look at where they are and um, people say that could be Newcastle. I don't think Newcastle fans would walk away from the club as quickly and as regularly as they have but there's definitely a sense there of, of everyone, the players, the manager, they've all just given up. Last season, Moyes, the fans, they gave up. That didn't happen with Rafa Benitez in Newcastle. Even when it was looking pretty grim, you know and Richie, we were there together at, at Norwich away. Um, there, was still, there was still hope and there was still Fight when it would have been much easier to throw the towel in and just blame, you know, the likes of, well, whatever players you want to blame, or not having a fit left back at the club when he joined, all these kind of issues, having to play Lassells from nowhere. And he he came and he fought and we turned it round and, you know, we were five unbeaten at the end of a season. I I think you'd do well to find any team that's been relegated in recent history that's been relegated in such good form. And that's testament to him and, and obviously what we saw last season. But even this season, with with the horrible autumn that we had, a lot of well, not a lot, some fans criticizing him tactics, Mitrovic, the rest of it. Um, and again, he just doesn't let things like that bother him. And th- this is this is a genuine world class manager that we we now have at our disposal. And I want to talk through some of the highs. Si. I mean, say si, you want to pick a game for me that, in Rafa Benitez's era as manager, that just kind of is encapsulated what like his side or kind of what he's meant to you.
2: There's actually been loads, hasn't there? You think back and it, it's been a hell of a slog this season and even last season 46 games in the championship was a was a hell of a slog, but the the one game that I was just looking back through the results of last season, the one game that stands out for me was um on a Tuesday night in October, the League Cup third or fourth round against Preston. We smashed them 6-0 and there's was 50,000 people there. Imagine that 50,000 turned up for a for a League Cup game at St James's on a weeknight and we, we put on a hell of a show. Modi Army scored twice, which was class. <laughs> but that's what Rafa Benitez does. Like the whole the whole fan base had had given up on the idea of the cups under the the previous three or four managers. But everyone was there because it was Rafa. Obviously, we're doing really well in the league. I think we're top by that point, or if not, we're very close. And um, it was just that kind of you know that Rafa is a winner, and he wants even though we're in the second division, he wanted to win to win matches in any competition. So people turned up, knowing that would that would put in a proper performance in the cup. And that kind of sums up Rafa Benitez's time here, like a six 0 win in the League Cup. We could have we could have gone two 0 up, subbed off all the good players, and kind of seen out the game. But now he wanted the players to express themselves. He wanted us to to put on a show for fifty thousand people who showed up. That's Rafa Benitez at Newcastle United. But same question.
1: Yeah,
3: just to pick up on that point as well. I think was that the game when they were fighting over who was take the penalty, and you're completely right. I mean that the the game that followed that I think was was that the whole after that. I think I mean the. The cup game in that we we went into that game expecting to win that and probably should have should should have done a, give it, given a better account of our uh, ourselves but that that was a championship team going to a Premier League team at the time expecting to win and that that's what Rafa did he he give us give us that hope I think the the one that I'll, I'll always remember will be that Norwich game just to dominate that game as much as we did in in forty five minutes and it it was sort of one of our issues last year was that we would we kept conceding goals at half time, just before half time. We did it a number of times and that was one of the, the issues and after, and Rafa Rafa knew it was and it was one of those things that it put us on the back foot in quite a few games and was one of the issues that he he managed to overcome and and he sorted out eventually towards the back end of the season. But that that sort of conceding at half time in a game that we we, we battered them in and we should have been three or four. I mean Dwight Gell had a goal disallowed he obviously did get one. Um we were in so much control and then just it just flipped on us, and, and we found ourselves down 3 1 15 minutes into the second half. And, and there's plenty Newcastle sides in the past that would have wilted and would have lost that game five, possibly more. um, But we kept fighting, kept fighting. Gufran, of all people, gets one back, um, and then Dwight Gale steals the show at the end there. But it's just the the that that game just encapsulated everything about Newcastle that we found a way we we had up we had our struggles um and and he was able to um overcome them and 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 the the players fought till the end and they never gave up and, and there was just that that effort for ninety minutes plus um that we haven't always seen and but but that was Rafa to a T that sort of just encapsulates his uh sort of persona almost on the on the pitch.
1: Richie, I have a feeling I know what yours is going to be.
3: Yeah, I mean, the the,
5: the Brighton match was a, was an absolute joy, like like just for the, I guess what it meant as far as the league and, um, you know how we how we came back in that game and um, just a, just a brilliant a brilliant night to be there. Um, I mean, aside from that game, which is a, definitely stands out for me, is Huddersfield um, away in the championship, I think. Um, when we talk about like what about Rafa's kind of um, tactical class, I think was was, was really sh- shown in that in that uh, in that fixture because you know Huddersfield were uh, very kind of like a, a a bit of a unique team in the in in the championship in that they were very um, attacking, very relentless, um, but and again the, the obviously. Uh, one of our kind of competitors pushing for automatic promotion in, in the league, and the fact that in that game they huffed and puffed, but basically Newcastle were just far more clinical. From um, I think it was Murphy got the second, didn't he, in that game, and then uh, and then obviously Gail right at the end got put through, and that was the one way he was kind of telling the uh, telling the Huddersfield fans to calm down. I think was when he was uh, <laughs> when he was celebrating. But that that fixture again just showed like like Huddersfield like um, Wagner getting absolutely bummed by everyone in the media and you know what a brilliant like this is like the you know Klopp's Klopp's prodigy and all this stuff and then Rafa just completely, you um, <clears throat> know completely utterly just taught him a lesson in, in tactics and, and strategy in that in that fixture. Um, so for me that kind of stood out as just a game that potentially was a big banana skin for us, but but really you know. Turn out like we we'll beating beating three one away, and um, the reality the reality is is that Rafa still does not get the the right the the level of credit that he deserves, um, and that's unfortunate. But uh, but I I say those those two games probably uh, particularly stand out for me.
1: Nice one, and Norman yourself.
5: Um, I would have definitely say I was feeling brilliant
4: for for the obvious reasons that um, that Richie stated but um, to add to that, a um, couple of. Couple of standout moments. Um, the Leeds away, like that that game against Leeds away when the you know the kind of Sky Sports Championship um, squad of pundits couldn't they just couldn't wait for Monk to get one over on like it was like their biggest game in years, top tier of the stand up, and Monk's like this bright new thing. He's a uh, you know he's doing an incredible job at Leeds, and just people. Was like a genuine. felt like there's a genuine desire for for, for people want us to, to see us lose to um, Gary Monk's Leeds United, and Rafa just absolutely like just masterclassed them. Monk's career to a certain extent, it's just like it's almost like it's gone downhill from that game. Um, <laughs> he, he he was built up so much, and Rafa just obliterated him with the most perfect tactical display away in it high pressure game in a stadium that was really up for it and um, I, it was like, it was almost like swatting, swatting like a little child away, you know what I mean? It was, it was crying, it was crying in your
3: face. I like, I like the like use of swatting there because that's exactly what Rob Green did. Yeah. Oh, well there you go, I, um, it, it, was, it was perfect
4: and the other one, um, I would say, is it as weird as this it might be? Burning away just because, it's like, when we got, you know, oh, Enjoy Burton away, all of that, and you know the way I look at that is I just think Burton Albion, right seven years ago, whatever it was, we're playing in the Conference, and in that little six uh, thousand sorry, the little six thousand capacity stadium, like Rafa Benitez is there on the touchline, guiding his team to a victory. It was just, it was just a like a really lovely moment. It was like, Aye, ah, we are, we are Burton away, and we are enjoying it. And Rafa Benitez is more manager
5: on the touchline at Burton away. So I, there you go. Um, what happened Sorry, to that fixture that. again? What happened to that fixture again, Norm? I know that uh, something happened, didn't it? Then Richie obviously scored the winner, I think. Um, was that was that was that, that game where we won one nil? Um, that was uh, the where we won one nil when um, the penalty got ripped, got disallowed. Ah, that was it. I, I, I that's what I was thinking of. We
4: again that stood. I mean, that was obviously a huge game, and then uh, Richie took it by the kind of scruff of its neck. He it was magnificent in that game, but um, it was a kind of really big win as well. Um, well,
3: yeah, the the and obviously Alex, me, and you at Cardiff were that was, that was just a spectacular. Day of celebration, wasn't it? We've we've still got about forty games to go through. I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. we? <laughs> do we have a few more them, then, Norman?
1: Can we get through all of them? <laughs> um, well, well said. Um, I'll, I'll do a Norman. I'll pick two. First of all, West Ham at home this year was like how oh, lads. good us it. West Ham at home this year was just in Richie's. Richie pointed out the Brighton Huddersfield games before. This is a nervous fan base. Newcastle United's fan base is nervous and often pessimistic and often fears the worst. So a drawn with Bristol City two two, um, come back from two 0 down, and it was it was all right. Newcastle were all right. Two calamitous goals to concede early doors between Dummett and Darlow. Um You know, Yedlin I think as well was a default for the first one and. We played well enough. We could have, we could have snatched it. I think Mitrovic and Shelby had chances to win 3-2. Um, it happens in the championship, but the reaction on social media was, you know, we're going to go and get beat by Brighton and beat by Huddersfield. And We're going to be eight points behind these and five points and they're going to do this. And no, no, we'll, we'll beat them. And, and you can see that in the approach of the Southampton game just gone and the approach of the Huddersfield game that he's slowly changing minds and changing perceptions of the team and the, we've said it regularly on the podcast the one thing you can rely on Newcastle United and Rafa Benitez and Newcastle United too is not lose the big games do it when it really matters yeah there's been disappointing defeats this season You're particularly away at Huddersfield and Brighton but there weren't massive games in terms of context then um, you know Newcastle going to Palace and getting out with a draw and beating Man United at home that was a big game when the relegation zone and we we'll just do it when it matters but I look at that West Ham game this season and that was a massive game because we just lost the opening two fix of the season. We hadn't scored a goal. We've been beaten by Forrest. The transfer window was, was a disaster. Um, you know, John Dr. Shelby was suspended for three games. Um, Dwight Gale was had no form and was injured and there was just so much negativity. I remember driving up that day for that game with Hughes lads. We've been to the cricket in Leeds. seeing England lose to the West Indies and uh, we're driving back and we we're just all we were all very pessimistic and I think we're kind of a an optimistic group. I mean, West Ham are rubbish as well, but they put in a better show than Southampton the previous week. And it was just, it was kind of that ability Rafa has just to completely forget about what had gone on, prepare the team for the game and, and win a game three. Now that was very, really, again, like the Southampton game, very flattering on, on our opponents there. And that's just Rafa for me, regardless of what setbacks he's got to put up with or how badly things have gone the previous week. You you can always be sure that going into the next game, we're actually here, we're in with a chance and that is the antithesis of some of the the other managers in the league we've got now, who get into these runs and spiral out of control, and they're so you know you look at bad managers, and I think bad managers are so reliant on confidence, and yes, yeah, so are we. Every football team is, but we can we can pull results out of nowhere, and that's why we'll not go down, in my opinion, because we're we're capable of pulling results out. West Ham away is another one, Stoke away is another one. The, the performance against Brighton before Stoke was pathetic, really. I mean, defensively it was better. But it was a really, really poor home performance. I don't think anyone's going to deny that. And then we'll go to Stoke and put in that performance, and that's that's one of my favourite things about Benitez is the team. The team are just prepared for each game, and the, the team. Well, you can see that the team and the players don't let negatives affect them too much in terms of what, they they know what they've got to do, and it takes us back to what Ben said at the start of the show about the team being set up right. It's not just a cliche. The team are set up right, and if just because you lose a game and you make a mistake. You know, look at DeAndre Yedlin's form recently. You know, Rafa could have... I was shocked shocked when Rafa started DeAndre Yedlin at West Brom and he, he did make a mistake again, which led to the goal. But you can tell that Rafa's like, right, this player's going through a bad spell. Doesn't mean he's shit. Doesn't mean he's not good enough. It just means that he has to improve and we'll have to put it right next game. And that's a total different attitude, I think, compared to previous managers at the club. I think it's it just it doesn't allow
3: the players to get too high on the highs. I mean, we could have easily had a disaster after the Man U game, get that, that day was unbelievable the fan base was up a height the players you could see the delight in them and, and we could have easily just sort of been living off that for, up, up to now basically but it, it went we were allowed to celebrate and then it was like right we've got a joke to do, do again and, and, and you spot on there in terms of that each game by game we're not as you say we're not like relying on momentum to to, to sort of get a few wins together and string together we can quite easily lose a game you, you know we're going to be prepared and we're going to want to win it even more so but equally when we have won a game we're not patting ourselves on the back we're, we're back to work and, and making sure that we we, we prepare ourselves properly and, and put in a good show in the next week and, and that's the key is that the preparation that goes into every game like Rafa, Rafa doesn't allow the, the players to sort of rest on on what they did how how good were your last game it's, it's not we start again we go again and you've got to do it all again this week
2: I mean, yeah, that thing about um, sometimes we we'll lose a game, and and you get the, a very small minority of 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 our fan base that will criticize or or question the manager's tactics. But I think the difference is from ninety nine percent of us, and from almost all rational thinkers, it, he does have our trust, and yeah, we're we'll, we're we'll, we going to accept it. And he'll say himself that he will make the odd mistake, and something he tries doesn't come off. And especially when in a season where we have got a team that that needs to almost overachieve to to survive. It's just that, that thing of, of I've never trusted a manager more in my in my life and, you know, we've had Robson, we've had Keegan. I've never once thought, oh, you know what? I don't really know what Rafa was doing there. I don't know why we've lost that game. Whereas, you know, in years gone by, pretty much since since Ashley's took over, especially, but we there was always a... a a fair reason to question what, what had happened or what we'd seen after a defeat but with Rafa you can always find a way to think well you know what I, I kind of understand what happened there and we got a bit unlucky or the ref has, uh, refs fucked with you just, you just trust them for everything I mean the fact that they're away now in, in Spain doing this friendly it's not like you know with Alan Pardew you've got players going out nicking taxis and stuff that wouldn't be going on you trust Rafa that this team is going to benefit from this trip away there's, there's no, no no gags there's a reason to do it and you trust him with it Whereas if, if John Carver's going away, you probably think he's not even going to take the players with them. He's just going to go and play golf by himself and leave, <laughs> leave Beardsley to do the training. Rafa, you trust him. he would he be, be working hard. The whole... John Carver, doesn't he? Yeah.
1: Well, well said. Uh, Norman, Norman, Norman over, over to you. I
4: used to... We've kind of alluded to it, you know, with regards to how meticulous he is and how he keeps players players grounded. Um, you've probably all noticed that when we score, I mean, I think I even saw it against South when we score, he, his kind of reaction isn't you know to go like ballistic. You know, like when, when they say like, Huddersfield score, Wagner just goes, he just does his nut like going mad. And he does, is so composed, and the first thing he does, I think the first thing he does when we score, you go and get a player close to him and give him instructions, got for that player to pass on every single minute of every game is analyzed in fine detail, and that ties in to the fact as well. That what he's got is he's got a backroom staff that not only does he trust, they're not like it's not like just jobs for the boys. These are people that are he trusts and who are absolutely brilliant technical coaches. They're like they're at the top level in the field, that level in the field as coaches. Um, and what they've done is they've clearly educated, they clearly educated the players. The players have become, um, in my opinion, more intelligent the longer that they have spent with with Rafa, and that coach and stuff. And it's just these. These little things that are, that we haven't had for years, you know. As we say, Podium's backroom staff, absolute joke. Um, McLaren's backroom staff, same thing. We've got like genuinely intelligent, brilliant technical brains um, in the whole of the backroom staff, and with Rafa, and it's and it's just so obvious to see how how positively that's impacting on the club and uh, long may it continue.
5: Yeah, I and then for me, I just think the final point is um, is. Looking at the players that he's brought in, yes, of course they haven't all worked out. Uh, especially last season with the the, tr- the huge um, transformation he had to make um, in the in the the team. You know, in the number of signings he did make, not everyone is going to work out. But if you actually look at the players that he has signed and like what they've contributed and like what you know what what they can what they've offered to the team. And and he's done that with such a tiny budget in in the grand scheme of things, and you just think, what what could he do if he if he if he was able to spend twenty million on twenty million pounds on a player, thirty million pounds on a player, like what 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 could the team look like if if he had like that caliber of player in his in, in his side, yeah. and it, it does make you think like you know the the sky's the limit, it, it really is, and that you can. That might sound eccentric, but but it's when you actually realise what he's doing with the players he's got, um, with with the backing of like you know the the the, the of a of a, of a, of a prem, with Premier League TV money, which let's be honest, that's what we're that's what we're all hoping for. But for up the season, is is is, is 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 that windfall that you get and that getting invested back in the squad, you know, it, it really is. It it, it makes you realise what is possible, um, because he's shown what he can do you know, signing players for five, six million quid, two million quid and what he can get out of those that that calibre of, of of individual. Um, so but as I say it's all it's all good and well as kind of uh, saying that just whether whether that whether that happens in practice he gets that money is another thing but um, but yeah that's that's the thing that really gives me the, the hope that um, what he what he could achieve with the, the right back and behind him.
1: Nice one lads, thanks, thanks very much. Uh, we'll leave it there okay. for the day. Uh, enjoyable little chat for about an hour. Um, obviously, there's fucking ages until Newcastle play again. Um, so next, this time next week, we'll release our uh, 45 minutes to an hour we'll had with commentary legend Mick Lewis. I'd recommend everyone listens to that. Mick was absolutely fantastic to be with. We'll get that out this time next week. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back with you soon.
3: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer.